Welcome to episode 67 of the Swamp Flex podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I'm Brittany Lombas. And we are recording in 7th Ward, New Orleans, just outside the fairgrounds in my living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's October, so it's spooky season. Uh, there's a bunch of film fests around town. The New Orleans Film Fest, the really big one's coming. Yeah, I saw like, I think um, either Anti-Gravity or The Gambit had like a... That was all over the cover of it. Yeah, like the next like two weeks of my life are going to be like anchored to like several theaters downtown. Uh, are they playing like a lot of spooky movies for the film fest? Because it's like October. Like two or three. Gotcha. But that's like every year. There's always like two or three, but not a whole lot. And even before Film Fest gets started, uh, Cece and I walked around the corner last night to this thing called the Backyard Film Festival. Oh, I saw that. It was like... Open submission, and the only rules were the films had to come between two frames and five minutes, and the theme of the night was macho. Didn't the proceeds go to like a doula group yeah, or totally. something like that? Pretty cool. Yeah, and it was kind of like a wide range of like good art and like terrible sketch comedy, like kind of like a weird mix of that stuff. There's like stop motion and weird ass costumes, and uh, there was like a fake karaoke video but without the words being sung so just like the lyrics like reading out and oh my god so, that yeah, sounds great it was cool it was like a nice little like community night like uh, out in someone's like backyard you know eating hot tray food what do you call those like the like uh it was like red beans and rice like hot plates oh okay i'm for some reason i like just picture like an aluminum pan with meatloaf and mashed potatoes and really old peas. It was that same setup, but yeah, it was just like homemade like red beans and drinks and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was fun. It was like delicious entertainment. It was delicious entertainment. Hmm. And we also went to RuPaul Work the World on Friday, which was like a really expensive like drag show. <laughs> so what were some of the big queens? It kind of felt like the Super Bowl of like the show. I don't know. It was like Violet Chachki did a really great routine. Um, they had Aquario, who was like the last winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron Michaels, Kim Chi. Love Kim Chi. Yeah. Who I think was sick or something. She seemed a little out of it. I think Kim Chi was like that that whole season. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just part of the Kim Chi personality. It's probably really hard to tell if she's stoned or not. <laughs> <laughs> and did and the way she, like um the, her eye makeup is done, mm-hmm. you really can't right. tell. She was wearing this like glow in the dark, like green on her face. I think she's probably one of like the most creative queens. So that's probably a really cool sight. Yeah, and then uh, most of her performance is like dancers dancing around her as she like displays her look because she like can't actually move that much. Right. <laughs> so she's just gotta work everything else like as hard as she can. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like a lot of movie stuff at that show as well like mm. they were playing clips from snow white and the greatest huntsman in the background whoa that is weird during like cameron michael's like snow white routine um, 
what else did they have? Like Eureka did a lip sync number to The Greatest Showman's This Is Me. Wow. That's interesting because I feel like drag queens usually pick like really campy movies to focus on. And those aren't very campy at all. That's really cool. It felt like a high production <laughs> a version of stuff I'm used to. Like mm-hmm. I'm used to like the $10 at the Always Lounge cabaret show. <laughs> and this is like much different to be in like a stadium with like movie clips playing in the background. I'm assuming they paid for the rights for them as well. Uh, it's like a whole different vibe, but it's still fun. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to one of those before? I went to one like years ago. It was right after Sharon Needles won. Oh, uh, Okay. And the season that was currently occurring was like the Bianca Del Rio season. Like it didn't finish yet. So it was around that time and it was Sharon Needles, Jinx Monsoon. And then I went to another one with, um, oh, who's the short chubby queen? Glamour Toad. Ginger Minge. And Ginger Minge like did a big Adele performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <just> amazing. <laughs> and there were other queens too, but that's the most vivid performance because i thought it was just it was interesting for like a drag queen to do like a not so drag song yeah yeah <laughs> it was um that hello song <laughs> hello <laughs> yeah, it's very dramatic yeah it was very dramatic and of course ginger minge put a twist on it <laughs> the queen that i, I want to see i think the most that i never had the chance to see is latrice royale oh yeah that'd be I would great die she has a song called um <sighs> i can't think of the name of it but it's like wait Put some more food on my plate. And it's just about eating a bunch. And I would like love to see that performed that live. Kind of Tim and Eric cadence to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it does. Well, that's like the sort of like goings on about town that we've been going to. Nice. Um, have you been watching movies? I've been watching movies. <laughs> Me too. I've been watching movies. I've been trying to like, I made a list last night of 2018 horror movies that I haven't seen yet that are like, got, are supposed to be like legit. Yeah. And not like shitty ones. Um, so I'm gonna try to like knock those out during October so I can like really, you know, cause we're getting towards the end of the year. So we're going to be making those like top, you know, 15 top 10 list. And I really want to make sure that I'm picking the good horror movies for that list. I feel like most of our top movies of the year list are like sci-fi and horror. Yeah. Most years. yeah. Well, those are always the most creative. I think. I think so too. Um, but there is a movie I watched and it actually just came out Friday um, on Netflix. It's called Apostle. Oh, I heard that was good. It's very, very good. So good that I think it's going to be like in my top 15. What? It's a horror movie, but it's also like a period horror film. It takes place in like the early 1900s and it stars Dan Stevens, Matthew Crawley. <laughs> and star of The Guest, which he was like oh, really menacing in that. I always forget he was in The Guest. That's a great movie. That's like 2016. 2016 2015 yeah yeah it was a few years ago yeah i think that's the last thing i saw him in me too i i definitely skipped the beauty and the beast uh adaptation he was in me too you know what i have it on dvd and i haven't watched it yet i'll probably never see that that's my favorite like disney fairy tale i think i just i really really like bell and mrs potts so i'll watch that eventually but anyway apostle so not beauty and the beast So Dan Stevens plays a guy um, named Thomas Richardson, and his sister was kidnapped by a religious cult, and they're holding her for ransom. So he disguises himself as a person who's a cult follower, um, so he can go and into this cult and rescue his sister and bring her home safely. So this cult is 
it kind of reminded me of the wicker man a little bit mainly because the cult is on a secluded island (laughs) but that's really the only wicker man kind of shit going on and you know there's a lot of like horror movies that this kind of borrows from but not in an obnoxious way um because it really i think it's very unique so he's sort of you know undercover trying to figure out like where the hell they're hiding his sister at and michael sheen is the cult leader and basically the way it goes is michael sheen was on a ship and he was shipwrecked on this island and on the island he found a goddess so this island the soil is like tainted it's almost like poisonous so like nothing was growing and the goddess caused like things to grow and everything like that so he kind of keeps this goddess as prisoner and like traps her and she's becoming weak so they're losing crops their animals are dying the people are starting to like lose their resources and that's why they kidnapped i keep wanting to call him matthew crawley (laughs) um or thomas's sister so they can get money from her ransom to um, take care of their people but it's just insane it's an average kind of cult theme going on and there's a part in the film where a member of the cult takes over and starts calling the leader oh he's a false prophet like we you know he's led us astray and you know follow me and he kind of takes over but this guy is fucking crazy and then like once this fucker takes over it just becomes like kind of like mandy yeah (laughs) where you know everything's kind of like slow and chill and then all of a sudden like there's fucking guts everywhere but it's super super like the visuals are so gorgeous the effects are amazing it's gory as fuck but it's not like in a distasteful way it's really cool and a lot of the torture mechanisms and the way that they kill people are like things I haven't seen before in horror movies, which is kind of hard to like not do something that's overdone, especially in horror. And there's this guy called the grinder um, (laughs) who like, as I keep thinking about him and he's super spooky. So the goddess is kind of kept prisoner in this huge, like tree branch thing underground and she needs blood to live so they all like there's jars of fucking blood everywhere like these cult members are like bleeding themselves dry to like give blood to the goddess and she's scary as shit like she looks super spooky but the grinder is like in her goddess prisoner area and it's this dude that's like bloody and his whole head's covered in twigs like bloody (laughs) twigs and what he does is kind of like how he sounds. He like kind of grinds people to death to feed to her. It, it just becomes like just this like insane violent fever dream for like the last half. And then it ends really peacefully yet violently at the same time. It's um, it's really good. You know, it's kind of weird. That's the like second Netflix movie this year after the ritual. That's like, a, oh, I love the ritual. Like, like it's like a, you know, sort of sober drama that yeah. becomes like a insane horror movie. Yes. And then that one has Thomas from Downton Abbey in it as well. Oh my God. What's up with <gasps> And it's got kind of like a Wicker Man vibe too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I need to, I need to watch Apostle. I, you I, would like it a yeah, lot. I think so. it's, it's really good. And I keep saying how unique it is, but I can't think of a movie where like there's a, a goddess who looks almost like demonic. <laughs> She's like kept prisoner. I can't think of anything. Yeah, I can think of like people conjuring a goddess, like bringing one to the earth, but not necessarily one not like that's being, already I here. I caught you. Yeah, exactly. That's a little different. <laughs> Helping my crops. 
so I watched that and it's it's also like a British American movie and I watched another British American movie more of a comedy though a fish called Wanda yes yeah I've never seen it um, classic where have I been <laughs> I thought it was super funny but it's, and I'm sure everybody like knows what it's about but it's kind of like a diamond heist movie where there's Wanda and Otto so Wanda is played by Jamie Lee Curtis and Otto is not Richard Klein Kevin Klein super close to Calvin Klein <laughs> but Kevin Klein and so they're they're the two Americans in this like thief group and then there's two British guys Monty Python veterans oh are they yeah Mike Michael Palin and uh John Cleese familiar with Monty Python oh really <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's too Monty Python, guys. Yeah, well, John Cleese is the, the barrister. Oh, you're right. My bad. It's been so a while. So one guy, well, George is kind of like the head of everything, and that's who like Wanda's like lover is. So Ken is like the other partner in this group, but he's like got a stutter, and he like really likes animals, and that's he's super Michael nice. Palin, yeah. Okay, cool. Because he like, like, I'm not as familiar with Monty Python, but um, I think he was like the funniest person to me in this whole movie because he's just like super nice but he's in like the most violent group and just around a bunch of assholes his like quiet sort of indignity versus like kevin klein being so boisterous and over <laughs> so the top bad. uh is a really he's funny like tension. hitler in this movie like he's just like <laughs> the worst isn't there a scene where he's like eating his fish and like michael palin kind of has to watch him do it yeah uh, it's really he's really like shoves french fries up his nose pretends to be like a walrus yeah the two of them like clashing against each other was like the biggest laughs, laughs i got out of that film he has such an iconic mustache in this movie too kevin klein so um well kevin klein jamie lee curtis are they pretend to be brother and sister but they're really lovers within the group and they're trying to like double cross the other two so they can like get the diamonds and haul off to america with their treasures and then at the same time jamie lee curtis or wanda is trying to double cross auto like there's just a whole lot of like a twist within a twist within a twist within this group of like four people i mean they're all just a bunch of assholes so it's like super funny just watching them be assholes to each other and then john cleese comes into the picture and he's funny as shit but he's this barrister who starts um having an affair with wanda so she's kind of like seducing him so she can well i guess kind of i have to probably roll it back a little bit but the leader of the group george goes to prison and he knows where the diamonds are hidden so the only way that wanda can know where the diamonds are so she can like get her share and you know cash out with Otto, uh she needs to know where they're at and she starts like sleeping with john cleese to like kind of help him get george to admit that he's guilty and tell everyone where the diamonds are and their affair is so funny and it's I don't know like John Cleese's character is like the most polite person yeah. ever like there's even a scene where like he's dangling from a window and he's like apologizing and like <laughs> just very very calm it's it's really funny I liked it a lot yeah she's like kind of calmly playing all of these like loud obnoxious men against each other and yeah. she's just sort of like playing her cards carefully yeah, she's and, like this like femme fatale yeah but yeah, the movie's <laughs> hilarious. It, it was funny. I liked it. I really like Jamie Lee Curtis, especially like late 80s, early 90s. Fuck, I like her now. I love <laughs> yeah. those Activia commercials. You're looking forward to the new Halloween. Freaky Friday. Is she in 
Oh, she is. And she has like this insane, like gray, like bouffant kind of, not bouffant, but just kind of unruly hair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking, that comes out on the 15th, right? Yeah, like next week. Next yeah. week, yeah. Looking forward to that. That's going to be cool. But yeah, so that's pretty much um, the the two big movies, I think, that I've been watching. Other than that, I've just been watching television series. Like they have um, The Haunting of Hill House starred on Netflix. And I've been like really into that. And I've been watching a lot of 90 Day Fiance, which is so <laughs> embarrassing, but like I can't stop. Anyways, <laughs> what have you been watching, Brandon? Uh, I did watch one 80s movie as well. I watched The Gate from 1987. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you recommended because our movie of the month was The yeah. Pit. And I thought that like The Pit was The Gate. And then I realized The Pit wasn't The Gate, which was good because then we could have it as movie of the month. Yeah. Well, first of all, like I get why you would confuse them because they're both about these little kids who like discover a hole that has monsters living inside of it. <laughs> yeah. They get released into the world. But they're very different. They're also both Canadian. Which, uh, <gasps> Whoa. So they have kind of a similar aesthetic. The pit is a lot cheaper, I think. Like that mm-hmm. one, the monsters are like this telepathic teddy bear and the troglodytes, the trollologs that live in the pit mm-hmm. themselves are like these kind of Roger Corman rubber monster costumes. Um, the gate, on the other hand, has a much bigger budget and it just blew me away. It might be my favorite like horror movie I've seen all year. Basically, these like three kids are alone for the weekend because you know the parents go out and leave an older sister in charge mm-hmm. instead of getting a babysitter, and they accidentally perform a ritual out of like a heavy metal album that releases these demons from deep in the earth, and then they have to close the gate of hell that they accidentally opened in this ritual. And in the meantime, these tiny things that are basically the minions of the of Satan. They look like mole rats, kind of. Yeah, they're right? little naked, little fleshy. pale goblins. Yeah. And they form together to create other monsters. So, like, they'll show up posing as the kid's parents. And the kid's like, sense that something's wrong, that's not quite my mom. And then scratch at the mom's face and it falls apart in a goo. And then falls to the ground and when she smashes she turns back into these little goblins that run in every direction (laughs) Um, and it just gets bigger and bigger like that until there's this big stop motion version of like the devil that's like this weird serpent that's like taking over the house there's things crawling around in the walls you know basically every fear you ever had as a kid like this kid's dead mom comes back to him as a ghost Uh, there's these mysterious arms that come from under the bed to grab your ankles I still like don't I like always what is it called when you like jackknife into the bed is that what they call it or can open where you like jump into it so like your feet are on the ground for too long so satan can't grab your ankles i do that all the time i feel like if i had seen this as a kid it would have traumatized me because even as like a you know i'm like in my 30s and it freaked me out <laughs> is the whole it wasn't it in their kitchen or something or is it in the backyard? In their backyard yeah well it starts with the kid having this nightmare about being in his treehouse while it's struck by lightning and the tree, you know, sort of getting uprooted from falling over is where the hole is created. Which even that just feels like the kind of, like, weird detail you would have as a kid. Like, you know when you have nightmares and, the, and you're sort of fixated on, like, what if my treehouse falls over? What if there's something in the walls? And, like, the effect they do there is they made this, like, sort of, like, soft wall that they could drag right. objects from behind. It was almost like the wall was, like, made of rubber or something. And you can see their little, like hands come like press against yeah. It, and shit. yeah it feels like a nightmare someone had when they were 10 
and they like wrote down every strange detail and then like recreated Canadians. It. It's so good. Uh huh. I feel like I need to rewatch it from like hearing you talk about it. Yeah, I I would love to do an episode on it because there's a sequel as well. What? There's no way the sequels is good. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Yeah, I'd love to be proven wrong because cool. the first one's amazing. So is it just the Gate Two or is it? It's called the Gate Two: The Trespassers. <laughs> cool. So maybe we should do that sometime next year. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. I would. Yeah, like I would love to see it again and watch the sequel I didn't know about. Also, there's this uh, one of the punk girls in it wears this like pineapple bolo that I really need. Yeah, <laughs> there's some beautiful '80s fashion in there. Beautiful fashion, beautiful hairstyles. In a good, not even like in a, oh, look how cheesy. It's like, ugh, I want to be them. Also, one more movie I want to shout out. We've been doing a lot of like superhero horror on the podcast this month. Later this episode, we're going to be talking about a superhero horror franchise. Me and James did one last time. And I think we're going to round out the month with another one next episode. <laughs> uh, I went to the theater to see Venom. Which is like superhero horror. Oh, that's with what's his face? Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. I really like him. So, have you seen Upgrade from earlier this year? I have not. There's like a Tom Hardy lookalike in that movie. Oh yeah, I think we talked about this. Where, and they look so much like exactly him. Like. And in that movie, Lee Winnell is like implanted with this technology in his brain that sort of talks to him like an operating system and makes his body stronger. And the villain is like this Elon Musk type. And there's like a physical comedy to like the horror of having your body taken over by this like foreign object. Uh, Venom stars Tom Hardy and it's the exact same story. There's like this Elon Musk type that he like. I feel like Elon Musk is going to like do something weird like that. Like he's going to become like that octopus doctor in Spider-Man or or like Lex Luthor or somebody like that. I don't trust him. Yeah. I I like that no one's wasting time on making him like the supervillain. You know, like he's already filling that role in movies. In this case, instead of a technological implant, it's this like sort of space alien goo that comes down and takes over his body like a parasite and then transforms him into this giant Spider-Man like monster because this is like a spinoff from the Spider-Man comics. It's very like Tar-like, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Or what's his name? Hexus from Ferngully that like toxic goo that Tim Curry voices. That beautiful song. Toxic love. (laughs) This movie, Venom, I swear, the first 40 minutes-ish are like a sort of normal superhero movie. It's like kind of like a waste of time almost. You're like, oh, it's another superhero origin story. It's not that interesting. That's why I don't watch superhero movies anymore. Once the parasite takes over his body, though, it becomes so fucking funny. It's this like slapstick horror comedy where... The Venom voice that's, like, talking to him as he has, like, this, like, dual personality, him and the parasite, has this kind of deep way of talking, <laughs> and he likes to eat tater tots. <laughs> what? This hello, Eddie. It's so ridiculous. Sold. That it's, sounds cool. It's one of the funniest comedies I've seen all year. And Tom Hardy gives this sort of, like, <laughs> what? Nick Cage performance where he's, like, because Venom makes him very hungry. He just, like, runs around eating off of people's plates and eating garbage, eating, like, frozen tater tots and running around the city like a madman. Holy shit. I saw the preview, and they made it look so dark and, like, just creepy. But this sounds like a different side of It totally Venom. starts out like that. It, st- it starts, like, kind of this, like, post-Dark Knight, like, macho, yeah. you know, grim... Aww. superhero in the city story. I want to see Tom Hardy garbage. It's so fun. Like, I, Great. 
love Tom Hardy. I think he's a great actor. Uh-huh. This might be my favorite performance from him ever. Because <sighs> he just goes full Nick Cage and just gives like every ounce of like physical comedy he has in his body. Love it. Uh, it's super impressive. And like Upgrade's one of my favorite movies of the year. So like to have this like dumber big budget superhero movie version of it, you would think I'd be like, oh, fuck that. I don't need that. I already have the good one. Uh, this is <laughs> this had me cackling so hard in the theater that like I didn't even care that I had already seen it before in a different form with another nice. Tom Hardy type. The way that you're making it sound makes it seem like this is something you really need to see in theaters Yeah, actually, to get the full effect. It was good to see with the crowd, too, because they sort of warmed up to the humor of it. Because yeah. once Venom starts talking, you're not really sure what to make of it. But it becomes so cartoonish that you can't help but see it as a comedy. And it is trying to make you laugh. Love it. And like the way Venom talks to him inside his brain is like, I was also a loser on my home planet, just like you. (laughs) It's so weird. (laughs) It's a deeply weird movie. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's so fun. And it's making a ton of money, which was weird. Like it looked like it was going to bomb. Or I just assumed based on the trailers that it was like a kind of bland superhero movie that was not going to do well. Just make it gives me so much faith in humanity that people are going to be putting their money and time into movies like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's hope for us after all. <laughs> I like the idea that like we've gotten to the point where everyone knows what a superhero movie looks like—an origin story, kind of like a character becoming this godlike being over mm-hmm. like some ridiculous circumstances. We're very used to that, and I think at this point we need movies like this that are. Uh, gonna either make it really goofy or really strange like this movie's both I, I don't think it needs to be both but i think most superhero movies are starting to feel like too normal yeah this I'm one feels like one snuck done through. with the Ava- avengers i'm like the avengers <laughs> um the avengers all that crap so i should have mentioned this when i was like talking about the movies i watched lately but i finally watched mandy and the way like you're describing venom feels mandy-ish where like i think like mandy's almost like i mean i think it is a superhero movie in a sense. Yeah, it's like sort of this normal person having to do this extraordinary supernatural act. Right. And it it starts kind of starts the same way too, right? Like the first 40 minutes of the movie are kind of calm and not normal, but like kind of... Like just a normal dude that gets like some super strength from God knows where. <laughs> Vengeance. <laughs> anger. Oh God, that, yeah. was, that was such a glorious film. It was funny because this couple was lost, this old couple... And they came in in the first, the last like 10 minutes. Like they were like, oh, wait, is this the right theater? And I'm like, get the fuck out. Oh, no. <laughs> it's such a quiet movie. I wouldn't want that. <laughs> no, they came in when like the, like somebody was getting beheaded. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. like, well, poor lady. I think, I don't know what they were trying to see. But anyways, so yeah, it, it, the way you're describing that, it kind of feels like Mandy meets Deadpool something i don't want to oversell it i don't think it's as good as mandy or upgrade but mm-hmm. if you want to just see like a weird ass superhero comedy with like some like body horror and some sci-fi kind of <laughs> vibes to it it's really fun cool and it's also making a ton of money so you have plenty of time to catch it at, at your leisure you know well today we are gonna be talking about more superhero horror movies and more 80s horror movies as yeah. well before we get into that it's not a genre I go to often, but it's been fun catching up with them uh, on this show. I, I'm kind of coming around to it. Mm-hmm. And all that's coming up to you right, right now. I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Shit. 
And now it's time for our movie of the minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. And it was my turn to pick the movie this time. And I did something I've never done before for this. Um, I picked a movie I hadn't seen yet because I bought the Blu-ray when I was out buying like used DVDs and stuff. And it just seemed like something I should watch. It was on. It's on Blu-ray. Yeah, I bought a nice Blu-ray of it. <laughs> <gasps> wow, like at a thrift store? No, I went to Second and Charles and. Oh, North okay. Shore. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you, oh wow. And it looked That's really nice on Blu-ray. Find. Yeah, the movie's called Night of the Creeps. It's from 1986. It's directed by Frank Decker, who also wrote and directed um, Monster Squad with Shane Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also co-wrote The Predator with Shane Black, that recent Predator movie, and which is really? like my least favorite movie I've seen all year. Yeah, you did not like it. No, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this movie, I actually did like, and I'm glad I took the chance on it, even though very early on, I was a little shaky. It starts off really fun. The first few minutes are in outer space. There's like testicle looking aliens on a ship. They looked like, uh, I guess like, like the mix between a testicle and a a big naked baby. (laughs) A big, a big testicle baby. (laughs) It did look like it should be wearing a diaper. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like go clean it. It's got the little toddler body. (laughs) Gross. So these two aliens are chasing each other in a ship, and one's trying to sneak off this vial that has a virus on it. And he gets it out of the ship, and it flies and falls to Earth. Cut from that color 80s sci-fi sequence (laughs) to 1950s black and white, sort of like Roger Corman era, like creature feature look. And it's sort of like a cheeky throwback, kind of like in, uh, what's that Joe Dante movie, uh, Matinee? where they show the Mant uh, film. It's like a sort of jokey version of like a 50s sci-fi horror. Teens go out to like make out point and they are told to go home because someone escaped from the Institute for the Criminally Insane will murder them at any minute. <laughs> Meanwhile, the virus gets out that has escaped from this spaceship and invades one of their brains and turns them into like a ghoul or a creep, I guess is the uh, from the title. Cut from that very harshly from this like 1950s look to a frat party in the 80s and we're back in color again and we meet our two main characters which are these sort of like nice guy nerds who like to look at women from afar and like sort of say woe is me I can't get a good date and all these like idiot jocks are getting all the all the hot chicks on campus. That's when I was sort of worried about the movie because I had never seen it before. I was like, I don't like where this is going because I didn't want to spend 90 minutes with these, you know, sort of like jackasses. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of tell the movie takes their side. It's like horror nerds versus the jocks. Uh, So it's coming from this sort of like juvenile version of romanticism. Mm -hmm. But eventually all the like plot sort of fades away. And what happens is they re-release this like cryogenically frozen specimen from the 50s part of the movie. And you get to see a good 80s update to that like body snatcher style where the specimen they released that was infected in the 50s has a brain slug. And the slug reproduces in the human brain. And as soon as it's out of the body, it splits off into different slugs, gets inside of people's skulls, and they have to basically shoot open the ghoul's heads to release the the slug and then set them on fire with a flamethrower. And they end up enlisting the help of one of the girls they have a crush on, uh, whose name is Cynthia Cronenberg. Uh, they go to Corman University. 
And the lead characters like Chris Romero. Yeah, Romero and Hooper's like Toby Hooper. Toby, it's Hooper Carp- Carpenter Hooper. Oh my for god! For John Carpenter and get out of here, Hooper. Yeah, <laughs> no. And then like the um, what you call it? There's the detective too. Detective um, Cameron for James Cameron and Detective Landis for John Landis. Yeah, like it was just like a nod to like every fucking horror director known to mankind. And the movie kind of justifies it because it has all these different versions of horror you got the sci-fi horror you got the body snatcher stuff got the 80s like gore fest there's a lot of practical effects gore of like people's faces melting (laughs) and these like zombies and then you have the escaped killer from the mental institution yeah it's very slasher um even though that has nothing to do with the other plot (laughs) it's all just sort of like thrown at the screen in this sort of like nonstop mayhem and Frank Decker's other movie that I grew up with, uh, The Monster Squad, is sort of the same thing. It's like every famous monster, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, all in like one mm-hmm. thing versus these like young kids. I ended up really liking the movie, despite having some problems with the main characters. Uh, how did you feel about Night of the Creeps? I really liked it. I thought it was very smart considering it was 1986. And I might have viewed this in a different way, I think, where for me, it came off like a scare, like, like, um, scary movie like um kind of like a spoof like it's making fun of popular films of the time like that's what um i got from it especially like the the two guys the two main characters like there's even times where like when he initially goes to like the frat party and he's like oh that beautiful angel like what should I do? And he's like, um, just like talk to her, dude. And then he's like, no, no, we have to join a frat. So it's, I looked at that as it making fun of all these ridiculous eighties horror movies. Like I didn't look at it as being like for real, oh, what they were trying to do. Like I thought they were just making fun of like, cause just about every eighties movie is like frat guy hating like the new kid. And they even had that guy, Ben Bradster, so that guy's definitely over the guy. top. Yeah. yeah, just like every, it was like over the top to where I'm like, it felt like I was watching a 1980s version of Scary Movie. That makes sense. But like at the end, I think when you sort of get to like what the nexus of the film is doing is mm-hmm. at the scene where all the jocks and all the sorority girls are getting ready to go to like a formal dance. Mm-hmm. And the jocks arrive and they are all infected <laughs> with the zombie virus and the hot girls have to like fight them off oh Uh, gotcha and i think one of the girls even comments like um do these creeps ever take no for an answer so like i didn't pick up on that (laughs) holy shit so like the joke to me was like oh the jocks are the creeps and these two like horror nerds are the like hero and like the audience's surrogate when to me they're like just as bad of people, like mm-hmm. just as toxic idiots. Especially they have a lot of gay panic humor between the two of them. Gotcha. Like, like fuck you. Hey, you'd love to fuck me, wouldn't you? Like they have this sort of like no homo kind of like yeah. bravado between the two of them. <sighs> I didn't I didn't pick up on that at all. Really? Yeah. It it's probably there. I'm just very ignorant sometimes whenever like I initially watch a movie. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong, though, because it's kind of hard to tell, like, what's serious and what's pastiche. No, what are they trying to do? Well, there's so much stuff that's definitely a joke. Like, the 50s stuff definitely plays like a spoof. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so it's hard to tell what's actually 80s horror and what's, like, them making fun of their contemporaries. Gotcha. Hmm. 
And I don't really have an answer to that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't really think of it as being a full spoof the way you're saying, but I'd, I'd like to rewatch it with that in mind. It, there was a lot going on and there are some things that like I noticed. And I, just to mention, so his friend, the main guy, um, is it Chris? Chris's friend, the guy in the crutches, JC, when he's in the bathroom, obviously he's like taking a number two. On the wall, like there's a lot of writing on the wall and there's some like graffiti on the wall that's in red. And while he's on the toilet, like I noticed like behind him, it said striper rules. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. So part of me thought they like put that in there on purpose because obviously like striper was kind of lame. Yeah. At that point. And then he gets out of the bathroom stall and he's crawling and in front of him in red on the white wall, one of the only red things that are written on the wall in front of him says, go monster squad. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and monster squad. Um, I think that came out in 87 and this movie was 86. So it's almost <laughs> like he was like advertising like a promoting little promoting himself. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so funny. So yeah, like that's all I really remember from that scene. I was too like nosy, like looking at the writing on the bathroom walls to like even care about what was going on with this kid. I think that seems like a good indication of like how the movie can be goofy. Yeah. But you can also take the scares like really seriously. The slugs crawling across the floor in that movie. In one way, it's kind of like a goofy puppet. They're so fast. But another way, it's like terrifying. Could you imagine that coming? And the, and the the slugs go into your mouth right. to get to your brain. So there's even a scene where the detective's going to like this huge like mountain of slugs and he's got his mouth duct taped so they don't make their way in their mouth. And I'm just like, God, that must feel so disgusting. <laughs> Have you ever seen Halloween 3 season of The Witch? Uh, Silver Shamrock. Yeah, that one. Uh, it's the it's same a, guy. Like that. Oh, oh, and there's that bug shit going on, yeah. too. Yeah, uh, Tom Atkins. Wow, um, I didn't make that connection. He's kind of like a C-rate action star, but in both of those movies, he's, like, really fun. As <laughs> uh, a sort of, like, macho he's great. guy who's, like, too old for this shit. The slugs, the way they move, um, there used to be these, like, insect robot thingies you could buy. I think they were called, like, nanobots. And I had a slug one. Oh, really? And it, it, it moved just like that. Like, you would flick it on, and it would just go... Really, really fast, and um, I use it as a cat toy now. But I remember just being kind of creeped out by that that nanobot. <laughs> There's a surprisingly good amount of like good killer slugs movies, like Alien Slugs, and I know you're just saying like Slither is a no, good one. I thought that was about snakes. No, it's about it, slugs. Yeah. Holy shit! It's about slugs from outer space that invade no. your brain and make you walk around, and it's also kind of like a jokey horror comedy. Hmm. But I think it's like a good effective thing because it's something that probably should be goofy just like in the practical effects but it actually freaks me out it freaks me out because it's like slugs i mean they're they're gooey they're slimy and sometimes their slime's poisonous and they don't really have eyes that you can see you don't know what they're trying to do or where they're going and mm -hmm. just like i don't know you can't control them. and just the effect of like them cracking people's brains open with a shotgun and the slugs like ha hanging out halfway and then they set that on fire i loved that tag team moment it didn't last long enough but i loved how like he's like i'll shoot it and crack the skull open and all the slugs will come out and you get the flamethrower and set that shit on fire so yeah. it was kind of like you know him shooting and then her you know taking her flamethrower i thought that was like a cool like guy girl you know fighting duo yeah cynthia cronenberg in the uh <laughs> formal prom dress rocking a flamethrower <laughs> is like really cool Fantastic. look yeah. yeah 
And they get the flamethrower from Dick Miller, who's in like every Roger Corman movie. So even that was kind of like a reference. He plays this like security guard at like a police station, which is like every movie he's in, he plays some sort of like repairman, police officer, uh, maintenance guy. Like that's like kind of his his deal. So I, I don't know. I latched onto that kind of stuff. Like I really liked how easily they can display like a really deep love of like all things horror. Like yeah. you could tell this was made by horror nerds. Like right, like sci-fi horror nerds. Yeah. I was so impressed with, well, I thought the slugs were great. The quality was really good. Like, it wasn't cheesy. I mean, the idea is cheesy about slugs in your brain. But they actually came off as, like, I mean, we've been talking about how they're actually kind of scary. But that that mound of slugs in the basement where homegirls, like, keeping her human brains in a jar for her <laughs> science experiment, which is so freaking stupid goofy, funny. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're just hoarding over these jars in a corner where it's just, like, a slug mountain. And then they get, like, really enticed. And a few of them come out, like, tentacles and go, like, And they kind of, like, wiggle and start shooting out. I thought that was very funny. It's funny, but it also has that way that, like, bugs and creepy crawlies move that, like, just makes you feel gross. I was, like, sitting down, like, on the side of my bed, like, watching this. And I was, like, ooh. (laughs) Like, it just kind of, like, made me feel like there was, like, Something like crawling up my back and in my armpits and stuff. But yeah, it's kind of like Peter Jackson, like Dead Alive thing where yeah. you're laughing at how goofy it is on purpose. Like it's trying to make you laugh and it's working. And then they'll do something so fucking gross that you can't help but be squicked out by it. Uh, <laughs> it's like a very squirmy, like gore fest uh, for large parts of it. Uh, but yeah, I really like this movie and I probably never would have watched it. Like even when I was looking for it. You know, when I was, like, searching, it was, like, I would, you know, do Night Of, and it was Night Of, like, fucking everything else in the world except for the creeps. So, it just, it's not a very well-known movie, I guess. And that's part of the horror pastiche, right? Because, like, the whole George Romero, like, Night of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Night Mm -hmm. of the Living Dead. All the Dead. They're sort of, like, playing off of that as kind of a joke, but I guess it becomes a generic title or it's hard to find your movie. Because I know. I'm like, where the fuck is Night of the Creeps? <laughs> it's not of everything else in the damn world. <laughs> uh, they weren't really looking uh, 30 years ahead of time into like what that would be like on a streaming platform when you're searching for it, I guess. <laughs> oh, and they had that really great quote from the detective where he's like, girls, it looks like your dates are here. Just one problem. They're all dead. Like he's, <laughs> it's, it's not exactly that, but it's something like that where it's so, so weird. <laughs> Uh, there was also another one where someone was sort of rattling off the things where they're like zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies, and a date for the formal. <laughs> like, <laughs> the dialogue's very like jokily overwritten. Yeah. And I think you're right. It does have that scary movie kind of aesthetic to it. Maybe even Scream because Scream mm-hmm. is like a jokey movie. It's like jokey and serious at the yeah, same time. Yeah, at the same time. You're probably right because part of me is trying to – like this is 1986 – it's hard to be like, is it making fun of like all the movies that are coming around around that time, which are just like that? Or is it just part of it? Is it part of that and also making fun of the 50s? Oh, my God. Well, I guess that's kind of the problem when you're like joking all the time. And no one knows when to take you seriously. It's like a you're boy right. cried it's, cold thing. It's probably more of more like Scream than Scary Movie. <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to watch it again to see if I could read those two kids as like a parody or mm-hmm. not. Because they, they were what... I don't even want to say they bothered me, but that's kind of maybe gave me a little bit of buyer's remorse early in the film where I was like, oh no, did I step into this like sort of homophobic 80s frat boy comedy? But it was almost like, or is it making fun of like that ridiculous frat boy comedy that's like overdone so much in 80s movies? Yeah. It's It's a vague line. Given the 
sort of anti-PC humor in the Predator. Uh, I don't know. And even in um, even in Monster Squad, which I grew up loving, there's a couple homophobic uh, slurs in that film that sort of tossed off casually, like it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. So I don't know. I like Frank Decker's like appreciation of like all these like Corman movies, and there's like Plan Nine from Outer Space is playing on a TV, mm-hmm. and there's like this EC Comics kind of vibe. I love that stuff. He has some sort of like problematic humor in he there. He just needs to get woke. <laughs> Fred Decker. <laughs> get your shit together. I know. I kind of I saw like a picture of him when I was looking at his IMDb credits, and he looks like everyone's like conservative uncle. Gross. Like he has that weird look to him. But yeah, so I could see where he would probably purposefully have that weird homophobic humor. Well, yeah. we got two good horror comedies out of him while that was still um, in the zeitgeist in general. So it can't mm-hmm. be blamed for him that much. No. Uh, it's kind of disgusting for it to be continued in a 2018 for him not to learn his yeah. lesson by now. Yeah. My name is Blade. I was born half human, half vampire. They call me the Daywalker. I have all their strengths, none of their weaknesses, except for the thirst. So as I said at the top of the episode, uh, we've been doing a lot of like horror superhero franchises this month. And it's all new to me. I've never seen, like, the horror franchises we've been watching. Um, I had seen the first Darkman film, but not the rest of the series. Um, and today we're talking about Blade, which I had never seen any of the three Blade movies before we oh, did wow. this episode. Okay. Is this something you watched as they came out? Um, I've seen... The only Blade movie that I really remember that much is the first one, because it would play on TV all the damn time, and it was really, really cool. Um, but... I think I just saw like clips of the the rest of the trilogy, so I didn't really watch them from beginning to end, like Blade Two or um, Blade Trinity. So this was really really cool. Yeah, this seems like something I should have seen as it came out though, because it was like from 1998 to 2004. Mm-hmm. So that's like prime me in like high school. And then there was a Blade TV series. Yeah, in 06. Right. Sticky non- fingers from Onyx uh, was Whoa. was Blade instead of Wesley Snipes. Yeah. I watched that a little bit. Didn't last very long, though. Yeah. For <laughs> you saw that when it reasons. came out on the air? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. So this is an interesting series. It's a goth superhero. It's also a black superhero mm-hmm. um, starring Wesley Snipes as Blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is part man, part vampire, and all hero. He's kind of like... This reminded me a lot of um, Vampire Hunter D, which is one of my favorite animes. Okay. But it's like he's a... Um, a daywalker, sort of like half human, half vampire, and then fucking hates vampires. <laughs> yeah, like the backstory for this character is that he has like all the strengths of the vampires, but like none of none their of weaknesses. The weaknesses. So he can like walk around in sunlight just fine. Silver won't kill him. Yeah, and just like kick ass with all that vampire strength. So there's like a vague plot about, especially in the first one, about like him getting revenge on vampires for killing his mother. 
she had him while she was being turned or something, and that's why he's a half vampire, half human. Yeah, like she was pregnant with him, and she got turned and gave birth to him. But how did he know? Yeah, I don't <laughs> like. Know. I'm like, you were a baby. You were an infant. How did you remember? Yeah, who's got this information? <laughs> or who told you? Uh, and he's become sort of a infamous figure in the vampire community because he walks around with these silver weapons, knives and uh, guns, shooting silver bullets, yes. all fashioned by Chris Christopherson of Star is Born fame and <laughs> country music. Um, Whistler. Yeah, wi- yeah. He has like an old country man name too. Like of all the names for this like badass dude that's trying to kill vampires. Good old Whistler. He kind of looks like if Jeff Bridges' face was like collapsing in on itself. Oh, no. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so that's sort of like his Alfred that uh, fashions these weapons for him and like keeps his life in order as he goes out he hunting makes his, these vampires. Um, his garlic injections. <laughs> and in the movie, the first one, they just sort of like throw you into this world. They don't really let you know like... Do humans know that vampires exist? That's something you kind of have to figure out as you go along. Yeah. In the first scene, he invades this like vampire rave and it's hard to know like what his powers are, how he's different from the other vampires. It's something that sort of like trusts you to gradually get along. Yeah. Um, And in this first movie, he's very much interested in avenging his mother's death. Right. This is 1998. It's pre-Matrix which feels crazy because he wears a lot of black leather. Mm. It's oh. got this like sickly green, like fluorescent look to it. Yeah. He's got this badass look. Like he's full of like tribal tattoos. He like has his hair, his hair like shaved in this super cool way. Always has his dope ass sunglasses on <laughs> and he never has sleeves because why? Because need that would like weigh down his arms as he's slaying vampires. Exactly. <laughs> so the character was created in the seventies um, for comic books. And basically in, in the Marvel comics, he would like hunt down um, Dracula. It was like his big, like white whale. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. By the time it got to the nineties, he had this more like leather bound, like goth look. Uh, and this is a long time after Howard, the duck failed at the box office. So this is the very second, like wide release Marvel movie. Like they hadn't really? attempted another superhero film since, um, since Howard the since Duck. Howard the Duck. <laughs> so do, I didn't even think of looking to see like what Blade looked like before the movie came out, like in comics and stuff. Did you see any of that? Yeah. What it what was? Because I know like um, once Blade was made and they continued with the comics, they started drawing him like Blade, like in the movie. Yeah. So that's all I've ever seen. So what kind of, like, what was the major differences that you could think of? Um, He had more of, like, a 70s Afro look and like, the earlier okay. ones. But by the 90s, it looked kind of similar to what you see in the movie. That sort of, like, widow's peak, mm-hmm. short haircut <laughs> uh, with the tribal tattoos. Okay. And those, uh, the blades that he carries around on his arms, they're these silver, like, almost half discs. That those are what yeah. what he likes to slay vampires Blade. with. All his weapons are blades, um, <laughs> which I'm assuming where the name came from. I don't know too much about the origin. So with him, like I wonder, and I'm pretty sure because like Wesley Snipes is known for his like martial art skills. Did he like do his own like moves? I don't have an answer to that question. I, don't um, know. I will say that I feel like he did. I will say that by the second one, it looks like he does a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one. Seem more like a conventional 
There's a lot of like cutaways and stuff like that. You look into that. The second one had a lot of martial arts in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one has a lot of him posing with weapons and um, sort of slaying people very easily. There's not a lot of a lot of back and forth fighting, and there's also not a lot of like plot of interest. I don't think it's him like versus the vampire nation. Uh, <laughs> Udo Kier is this sort of like head figurehead of the vampire nation, uh, which has its own language and stuff. So it's kind of hard to tell yeah. who knows that vampires exist and who doesn't um because vampires also have familiars which are like humans that do their bidding they're like i want to be you so be my bitch until i make you a vampire right. yeah and then someone's going rogue from the vampire nation played by steven dorf who i should have mentioned this earlier but his first starring role in a film was uh as the main kid in the gate in 1987 oh my god wow <laughs> so what a connection <laughs> uh <laughs> so steven dorf is it's like Damien Frost or something. It's like a weird name. And he's like Twilight, like Bedhead. Totally. Uh, and he's going off on his own to raise the blood of God, like awaken this like demon. <laughs> the blood God. It's like Lamagra or something. Right. It's so, it reminds me so, like when I watch this again, like I haven't watched Blade in a very long time. So now that I'm like working in an office setting... It reminded me so much of my office where it's like we have our tenure employees and then we have like new hires that come in. And this reminds me so much of like how it's like we're the original vampires. And then like they have the the cool new kids that are like just turned vampire that are like uh, like kind of against each other. And I'm like, God, this is just like work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the split there? Like the pure vampires were born vampires. They're like we were born a vampire and you were once human and you turned and then, because, like, their big thing was, like, we want, like, we're so fucking cool. Like, we're vampires. We can rule the world. Fuck humans. And they're, like, no, like, dude, kind of just shut up and stay to yourself like we have for, like, a bajillion years. Well, I, I, got, I guess what I'm saying with, like, dumping all this information up front is, like, do you pay attention to the story of this movie at all? Because, like, what sticks out to me is how early this feels for, like, a superhero movie. How cool it is to have, like, the black superhero in a you know, environment where that hasn't been done again until this year with Black Panther Mm -hmm. um, on this scale anyway. And like just the cool like proto Matrix look, the fact that it looks like the Matrix before the Matrix came out, like all that visual style stands out to me. All the story about his mother and the vampire nation and the pure vampires, maybe not as much. You know, and that probably, this is the first time you've seen it. Mm -hmm. Well, I've seen it before. But, like, like this is probably the first time I actually paid attention to the plot. Because, like, I knew, like, what Blade was, what his deal is. So I wasn't so much focused on him, even though it's, like, this, like, amazing, majestic being, like, floating all over the screen. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I can see that. Well, that kind of overpowers, like, anything else. It just looks so cool. <laughs> like <laughs> Right. Especially for, like, the late 90s. This is such, like, a fabulous movie. And, you know, at the end of it, like, the one thing I'm, like complaining about is there's not enough tracy lords because <laughs> yeah. she's only in it she's credited in the beginning and she's in it for like two seconds she's got a great agent <laughs> oh god yeah it was, yeah fabulous <laughs> but she is just like the sexiest fucking vampire lady she's got like this cool like long red hair with her like signature bangs and she just looks so great and i'm like oh is she gonna come back and do something weird that might be why the story in the first one doesn't really stick out to me that much, because it opens with such a great um, set piece where Tracy Lords like lures this unsuspecting human to this vampire club. So there's like nightclubbing, 
Um, and mm-hmm. then the uh, fire safety system goes off, and instead of water spring at the top, it's blood. And they blood have like bath. a blood bath is the name of the uh, the, the club or the party. Yeah, like it, it, or it was like the time. God, that probably smelled so bad. Gross. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's all these like vampires dancing to like techno music and like rubbing on Kinda each other. Like, um, Queen of the Damned a little bit because they used to lure like in Queen of the Damned. There's parts of the movie where like the humans lure. I mean the humans lure. No, the vampires lure humans to their like nightclub culture. Never seen it. Oh my god! <laughs> it's it's basically it's kind of like Blade but more new metal. And weirder. Isn't so, Jonathan Davis involved in some way? Jonathan Davis, who I'm going to see in Pensacola in November <laughs> for his solo tour, which I'm so his like his solo album's amazing. Um, anyways, so Jonathan Davis does the voice of Lestat, his singing voice, um, whenever uh, he sings. Okay. But it's Stuart Townsend who's Lestat, and then when he sings, it's just like corn. Corn. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't watch that. That's a great movie. That was like my favorite band around the time this movie came out. Oh. Uh, so like this whole like techno goth uh, vampire slaying aesthetic. <laughs> They're like probably my eighth favorite band Still. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely grew out of that. Um, not saying that you, like anyone needs to grow out of that, but there's not a band I like care about anymore. Yeah. But when I was like 13, like that was like my world was that band. Um, and God. it feels like this movie would have been like my world. Yeah. No, Totally. It's a good movie, and it doesn't get a lot of attention for how amazing it is being as, like, Marvel's comeback in the 90s. For If this was a movie that would come out now, I would say it would be on par with what's happening now as far as, like, style and effects and everything. So how amazing is that where that's, I don't know, it seem, it's still, like, relevant. Doesn't feel like dated to me when I watch it. You can see a direct lineage to Black Panther at least from this year. Yeah, like how the movie's like highly stylized. It's very black in like a deliberate way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, in the first Blade, both the main leads are black. The uh, mm-hmm. the the vampire killer, and then also he sort of saves this doctor who's being. <laughs> She's turned. a hematologist. Yeah. <laughs> And she gets kind of dispensed of. It seems like she would be in the whole series, but she sort of goes away after this one. I know. I kind of like thought that was weird, but I get it. Yeah. Um, They probably just wanted to keep doing like new situations. But I got to say, it's almost like Marvel movies in a bad way too. Like the new ones, the MCU movies in that I love the character and Mm -hmm. I love the look and the whole vibe but I do not care about the story in this first movie at all. Um, I just think it's like a really cool aesthetic. And I think a lot of the like vampire nation lore and like the stuff about his mother, it feels very overstuffed from the comics. Like it's stuff people really wanted to see on the screen. Almost as if they had like three movies of material in this first one. They just sort of just like burped it all out on the screen in one go. The last time I went to the the little Wizard World comic convention that they have over at the convention center, um, it was a couple of years ago, and there was a guy dressed up as Blade, and it was the coolest costume ever, and, like, my brother and I just, like, gravitated towards him, and we're like, this is the best fucking thing here, and I thought it was funny, because I'm like, I've never seen anyone dress up like Blade. Yeah, you would think you know? more of like a cultural He's such a fucking cool dude. staying power. God. But you and I don't read superhero comics. Like as far as like no. the kind of people get like weekly issues mailed to oh, them. Oh God, like, no, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, couldn't keep up with that Maybe crap. it's because they don't have that many good recent runs, you know? Maybe. Like characters like 
uh, Iron Man and Captain America are still in the movies, mm-hmm. but they also have like a still a strong presence in the comics as well. Like they're current. So maybe when that whole like new metal goth wave kind of died um, as far as like making tons of money. That's when I died too. Oh no. <laughs> uh, then maybe the comic book series wasn't as like viable anymore. Cause it feels like people even mm-hmm. forgot about it when they were talking about black Panther saying like, Oh, this is the first major black superhero right, movie. You're like, um, not, Blade, not quite. Dude. And there are other, he's, he's a fabulous superhero. No, they're both good. I'm not saying they're both not both good, but it seems like he's been kind of forgotten. Yeah. Blade isn't like a, superhero that's like have a great day and i'm glad i saved you you know enjoy yourself like that kind of nice guy he's kind of like miserable Mm -hmm. not miserable but he's just kind of like hey very like to himself so he kind of is like evil superhero at the same time i mean as far as like there not being a lot of dialogue from the character Mm -hmm. like after he kills people he has those (laughs) like sort of action movie quips where like he'll make almost like a pun after killing a vampire yes i think that sort of goes with how he's more of like a great look and not necessarily like a great character all about style yeah because even in that crazy scene where they're summoning like that vampire god he loses his sunglasses and then it's like there's a slow motion scene where he's like he grabs them puts him back on his face and the camera goes through the lens yep <laughs> he's all about style i gotta say like the cgi in that scene is like really not up to par with like how things have changed in the past 20 years, but it's really like mm-hmm. adorable. And you know, sometimes you see bad CGI and it's like embarrassing. These movies like sort of lean into the early CGI and sort of make this like sort of cartoonish, um, almost like Kung Fu hustle, like Stephen yeah. Chow style where it's like they're defying physics through CGI in a way that sort of like leans into it instead of like <laughs> trying to make it look real. It sort of like, accentuates how artificial it looks yeah it's interesting how like throughout these three movies that span through the years that the cgi doesn't get any better oh no no not at all (laughs) i think it just kind of like this is the gold standard for blade cgi well i will say the second one Mm -hmm. goes a lot more into physical performance you know we were talking about earlier you Mm -hmm. said wesley snipes is like a martial arts guy yeah uh i would say blade 2 from um 2002 leans into that a lot more where they have him like fighting at length with people like trading blows doing kicks and jumps and stuff there's less blades yeah there's less guns and sword fighting even though there's like more contraptions and they do get used a lot but they also get like kicked out of your hands so you have to like fight your way back to get your like bomb that throws <laughs> sunlight and like kills all the vampires <laughs> and i think the second one was my favorite in the trio yeah because it accentuates the best parts of the series. Like if this is all going to be all style and the story doesn't matter that much, then you have this director Guillermo del Toro coming in, who is a extremely visually stylistic director sort of showing off his idiosyncratic look. Yeah. Uh, A lot of what you would later see in Hellboy that he directed and also in, um, the strain, his TV show about vampires, uh, is already on full display in this film. And just the sort of like visual style of the first one carries over here Mm -hmm. to the point where it's almost getting too old in the cultural zeitgeist. Like that sort of techno matrixy kind of thing is getting kind of old hat. By 2002, it reminded me a lot of that. You wouldn't steal a car. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Is that trip hop? No, trip hop is slow. Trip hop is like slow, like Portishead, kind of like dreamy sounding. What is this? What is that? It's just bad techno. Okay. It's just bad electronica. <laughs> um, 
I just call it you wouldn't steal a car music because <laughs> that's all I think of is you hear that PSA. So I think it helps like to bring in a director with a very strong sense of style to sort of like elevate it mm-hmm. even more. It's not that he changes the series. He just sort of like makes it stronger and more vivid. Visually. Visually. So I thought the plot in this one was better. Me too. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I know how you were saying like the plot in the first one. And it is pretty bland in the first one. It's just kind of like, we're the new kid on the block and we're going to show you what's up. Where this one, I would refer to this one as the A Fish Called Wanda of the Blade Trilogy. <laughs> Explain. Well, everyone is trying to double cross each other. Oh, true. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like right when you think you got it. Then you realize who's trying to fuck over who. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, who's is Blade Wanda? You know, <laughs> no, he's not. But <laughs> it felt like that because I had just watched A Fish Called Wanda. And then I watched this and I'm like blown away. Like I could barely like move at the end of the day. There's kind of like a heist aspect to it as well because they're going yeah. to this like lair to kill this set of like evil vampires. Yeah, like I love the whole idea of like there's like a virus and there's like a new breed of vampires called the Reapers and they like fucking feed on vampires and turn them into reapers and then there's an alliance between a vampire group with blade because they're like well we're screwed because after they're done with the vampires they're gonna fucking go after the human race and then the whole world's fucked so obviously we do something to stop it so they make an alliance with blade and it's kind of like in hellboy how he has that like cast of weirdos and speaking of hellboy oh yeah and ron, ron Perlman. perlman's in it he is one of my favorite actors ever like i don't know like i just feel like he's the i don't know he has like a cool dad vibe um in all these movies he's ever been in and he plays such an asshole in this too i know uh but, but it still seems like a cool dad yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i still liked him <laughs> but yeah on top of like the team building of like all the weirdos, the team and their leader are like at odds with each other because Blade is notorious for killing them. So they don't want to follow his orders, even though they sort of need him to get rid of the Reapers, which are like the second level vampires. Right. And he gets the help of Scud because Whistler is, well, Whistler kind of went away at the end of the movie. We all thought he was dead. And then he comes back in Blade 2. And while Whistler was supposedly dead he replaced him with scud norman reedus norman reedus who is like this obnoxious guy who's like making all of his cool like you know blades equipment and stuff like that and helping him with his research and he refers to blade as like (laughs) b-man and stuff like that he's Um, kind of like a ridiculous character right like he smokes weed and watches powerpuff girls and (laughs) eats krispy kreme and he Dresses like Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. He's, he's kind of obnoxious. <laughs> Probably listens to a lot of Matchbox 20 as well. I think it kind of fits in the movie, though. Like, even Whistler going away and coming back, the Chris yeah. Christopherson character. That fucker never dies. I think even that fits in with the vibe of this, because it's very much like building the team. Like, right. You know, almost like a heist movie, like building the team necessary to take out this, like, impossible task. But then everybody's fucking each other over. Yeah. I love, I, I really love that, how it kind of like starts to fall apart at the end where you you don't know who to trust and it just keeps changing and changing and changing and changing. Ugh, so great. I think a couple reasons why this is better story than the first one. Oh, a few reasons, actually. It leans into the fight scenes. There's a lot of lengthier scenes of him killing vampires. Yes. There's especially a lot more like hand-to-hand combat. Um, it starts with a very clear 
concise retelling of who Blade is and what happened in the first movie. Whereas in the first one, it took me a while to even figure out like, how does the vampire nation fit in with like humanity? Do they, are they aware of each other? This one explains up front, like, my name is Blade. They call me a daywalker because I'm a vampire, but I can walk in the daylight. <laughs> this uh, is the Shadow Council. Right. <laughs> like, you yeah. get to know everything. He explains it all in voiceover. Yeah. It's very concise. Yeah. Also, there's just less stuff going on. Like in the first one, you have Udo Kier as the head of the vampire nation. You have right. Blade's mother. There's like a whole backstory there. There's this like doctor character who's turning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Steven Dorff going off and doing his own thing. It feels like eight comic book runs like smashed into one movie to where everyone's shouting so loudly that you can't hear any individual voices. Yeah. They got rid of all that in this one. one And no more vampire raves either. That all went away. There's one. Where? Uh, there's like a vampire rave that they crash that they're like on a stakeout, like looking for reapers in the crowd. Oh, oh, yes, yes. And there's okay. like vampires making out with razor blades in their mouths, which I thought was really <laughs> so weird detail. cool. So goth. I love how the reapers have that like, or I can't think of like the main reaper dude's name, but he has like this cool slit. Yeah, under his like chin. They look like sort of normal, just paler vampires. But their mouth splits open yeah. into this. It's like other shit comes out. It almost looks like an aquatic creature. Mm-hmm. But it's also got this Geiger style to it, where it yeah. looks both vaginal and phallic. Because like <laughs> the folds open up, and then this like phallic tongue comes out, and that has like the venom in it that turns it's vampires into reapers. It's fucking hideous. <laughs> and I think that's where the Del Toro stuff really shines. Like you don't think of him as a martial arts director. You think of him as this like practical effects gross creature design uh like that geiger style yeah like the pale man from uh pan's labyrinth is like a very distinct visual creation the reapers kind of look like the pale man yeah they have the same vibe Mm. and i think just the idea of this one threat the reapers are what's wrong and they're causing this havoc we need to get rid of them and then mm-hmm. order restores to where Blade is fighting the vampires again by the end because right. they double cross him. Like that's a very clear, concise story. It's still very simple and it somehow leaves more room for all the visual stylist stuff that, you know, makes this a good series. Yeah. So yeah, this was like an easy pick for a favorite for me. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think this one out of all, all of them has the best story for sure. The third one was a little different. <laughs> Uh, From 2004, it's called Blade Trinity. By this time, Wesley Snipes had a lot of clout in the series. He's like like over it. He did not like the first director they picked. Mm -hmm. So he made David Goyer or David S. Goyer. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, He wrote the entire movie series. Mm -hmm. He made him direct because he kept rejecting the directors that he picked out for him. According to Patton Oswalt, who's one of the actors in the movie... Wesley Snipes refused to come out of his trailer for large parts of the shoot and was just smoking weed uh, instead of performing. So they like gave him a lot less dialogue and replaced a lot of him with like stand-ins and like CGI. Like half of Wesley Snipes in here is a stand-in. Yeah. Just like the close-ups of his face is him. And it's, it's interesting too, because he wears like a short sleeve shirt underneath his sleeveless shirt in here (laughs) a lot. So it's like, he's, Obviously over it. Yeah. <laughs> He's not even showing his arms off anymore. <laughs> that that whole clash is like super interesting. And he um he actually sued oh, the really? producers because he was upset at how he was treated on set. And there's um and I'm sure we'll get into it and start talking more about the movie, but 
this involves I think they're called like the Night Walkers. Yeah. Um, Night Stalkers, I think. Night Stalkers. They're kind of like the blood pack with Ron Perlman, like the weirdos in the last movie. But they had so much screen time in this movie that like the movie was... Wesley Snipes was very upset that they had so much screen time and he felt like the movie was being more focused on him and he thought that was being purposefully done. So that was part of his lawsuit too, which I think they settled for like some unknown sum um, and it didn't make it to court. And he said David S. Goyer was being like racist to him on think, set as well. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Yeah. I think he like, they got physical. <laughs> there was like a yeah. physical fight or something like that. See, my assumption watching this was that the Night Stalkers had such a big role because he was not participating and like they had yeah. to fill the screen time somehow. Which is like, that was their, like their excuse. They were like, well, he just didn't want to fucking do it. So right. we had to like figure out what to do. And I will say the shift away from Blade mm-hmm. to this like new cast of characters fucking ruins the uh, whole vibe they're the worst um so let's rattle them off we yes. have natasha leone is like a blind scientist and a mother um she's fine <laughs> yeah. it's it's kind of ridiculous but she doesn't really do that it was like much. an unnecessary role i think yeah but whatever i'd say pat oswalt as like the nerdy scientist is even more unnecessary than her yep he plays this sort of like tech guy in a lot of different for movies. like not even like he doesn't even have a lot of time in here so it's like why do y'all even put him in here my guess is he kind of begged to be in it. I mean, he's Please. like he's like a superhero nerd. Like he loves yeah. this Marvel comic stuff. So maybe he. I like, mean, I like him. I think he's great. Yeah. So good for him. But it was just like not needed. <laughs> uh, Jessica Biel. Um, this is around the time that she was doing like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake and stuff. <laughs> All these sort of like horror, big budget productions. Um, she plays this badass warrior who makes playlists on her ipod which was like new technology at the time to like slay vampires <laughs> well, it's too. weird because like she has her ipod plugged into her computer her laptop to listen to it and i'm like that's the defeats the purpose of having an ipod i think that's her programming her playlists they're showing you like a step-by-step of her like making a playlist to oh take her i iPod get it with now her. thank you for explaining that <laughs> i was like that's so stupid and, and she's Whistler's daughter. Uh, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, so not that they even get into it that much. Yeah, the, I don't even think the two of them share the screen very often, if, all, if at all. Yeah, they, um, had, they had a moment. And she has that sort of like Megan Fox in the Transformers series thing going on where her midriff is always exposed. Yes. And the camera very much likes to linger on that. It's like if you were doing what she was doing, that's the last thing you'd want. <laughs> yeah, more flesh. So dangerous. Yeah. yeah, like cover your whole self up. You're going to get cut. And then ruining everything Ryan Reynolds uh, basically doing his Deadpool routine whenever there's interviews that he's had where he said that this was the the inspiration for his Deadpool character which I fucking hate like I can't stand watching the Deadpool commercials I've never seen the movies because the commercials are so obnoxious and his character in here is just like that and I'm like just stop my experience with Deadpool is going to the theater and sitting in a room, not laughing, while every person around me is slapping their knee, laughing at the top of their lungs. And, and you feel like something's wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. I feel yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, and That's I, how I felt like watching this guy every time he fucking talked. And he's doing like the same like meta commentary on like how the movies are full of shit and it's not how it really went down. And he's like giving you this narration where mm-hmm. he's making everything into a joke. Uh, he does the Deadpool thing where he like jokes about pop culture stuff like he makes references to care bears and he makes like gay panic jokes about like oh i'm dating older men uh just kidding (laughs) no homo um yeah yeah it's so fucking exhausting and just like with deadpool it just sucks all the humor out of me 
where like the movie should be silly enough to be fun. It's yeah. almost there, but like he just ruins the mood for me. He looks like Guy Fieri. Like he's got this horrible goatee and this oh, horrible Jesus. haircut. Um, he's just like the ugh, that obnoxious guy in every social situation. They actually were going to do a spin-off with that duo called like the Night Stalkers. And it feels it like never, that's what they're setting up. Th- it, yeah. And like when you're watching it, you're like, whoa, like it felt like a, the movie should have been called The Night Stalkers featuring Blade. I think just if Deadpool is any evidence that might have done well, like mm-hmm. people like yeah. that glib um, people meta shit up. humor. It, it just doesn't work for me. I will say the villains in this movie almost saved it. Uh, you have Parker Posey as this like head villain who has this very like rockabilly style (laughs) it's like rockabilly goth it looks really really uncomfortable to like rock yeah she had this hugely boof like bouffant it's not bouffant what is that like a um, pompadour uh hairstyle with like a tail on the end but it's like (laughs) the way everything she does it's like oh you're gonna mess your hairdo up you're gonna mess it up (laughs) and she has this uh muscled boy toy character played by triple h from wwe fame yes and the two of them have this vampire Pomeranian uh, dog that Triple H carries around because he's this big muscly man with this yeah. tiny uh, Evil monster dog. dog. I love the dog. And the dog has the Reaper style where its mouth opens yeah. and then it has a little like That's a great CGI moment come out. for sure in this film. Uh, one of the best, mm-hmm. best shots in the movie. This one's kind of cool because this is the first time that like police are involved. Yeah. Throughout this whole series with all the shit going on, the people dying, the havoc that's wreaked around the fucking city. Like you never really see a cop. And in here, it's sort of like the vampires frame blade and now blade is in the public eye and the FBI is involved. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So whenever blade kills a vampire, they sort of like are a self cleaning mess. Yeah. They turn into dust. Yeah. Like they blow up in like ember and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, just sort of like pretty, blow away in the wind. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. I enjoy uh, it. So they have to have him kill a human by tricking them into thinking the vampires, the human is a vampire. So that there's a body for the police to find. I mean, mm-hmm. he gets taken in and sort of then rescued by the Night Stalkers. <laughs> and they're like, oh, he's mentally ill. <laughs> yeah, you have that going on. You have the, the vampires are draining the homeless for their blood. There's some like Iraqi war commentary in here, too. Mm-hmm. But mostly the plot is around them raising Dracula from the dead. And Dracula is this sort of like muscly dude. And he becomes the lamest looking creature in the final fight scene. Oh, he looks bad. They could have made that so cool. Or they didn't even have to make it into a creature. Like, just let him be Dracula. Here's what I think is wrong with Dracula. Why isn't Triple H playing Dracula? He's like so (laughs) much more interesting than the guy they got to play. I just thought it was like really bad miscasting. Yeah. Like there's a scene where Dracula goes to Hot Topic Sort of, whatever. To find vampire dildos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's like sell. Dracula lunchboxes and Dracula vibrators and bobbleheads. Uh, <laughs> and that scene should be really funny and goofy, but that actor is just so bland that it He's just... He's the, the worst. Yeah, it just lands wrong. Oh, there's a scene where Blade is chasing him through an apartment building, and it is so bad. They're like literally like flying down, like jumping down like 10 like floors back and forth like ping ponging like a video game yeah but it's it's just not done very well and then he steals a baby <laughs> <laughs> that's true maybe it's because like 
the mood on the set had soured and there were some like contract um, fights and stuff that no one was having fun. Yeah. Because it feels like the second one, even as though that one's like really gross. That was obviously his stand-in doing all that shit too. Yeah, yeah. He barely says anything in this movie. He must have like 10 lines God, at the most. just like fucking hated life during this whole movie. <laughs> and I don't blame him. No, I don't neither. blame him. I mean, I would have hated being on set with all those people too. <laughs> um, yeah, if Ryan Reynolds was stealing my movie, my franchise for me, I'd be pretty upset get too. Get out of here, dude. Yeah, it's almost like more interesting to talk about this one though because there are like some people who find it fun. And it's almost there for me. If it was more Parker Posey and the dog. She's great. Then I would have had so much fun with the movie. Yeah, yeah. I feel like too much of it is hanging out with the Night Stalkers. Just want to get away from them. Yeah. Oh, and Whistler is fucking still alive. And he looks the same. Oh, yeah. He he looks like exactly the same. Like every character that's repeated in this whole series, which I guess like would be Blade and Whistler. I mean, Wesley Snipes looks the same. But he and that fucker should be dead by now. <laughs> what is, why is he still relevant? And yeah, and I don't really care about him at all. He provides weapons that Blade uses, but that's <laughs> it. Like he does, and he's and he gives like really vague life advice. It's just not compelling at all. So in the series, the comic book series, mm-hmm. uh, Blade is trying to kill Dracula. That's like his main goal. That's like his uh, Moby Dick. You know, I guess. This feels like a good wrap-up to the trilogy because it does have him facing off against Dracula. I could see why they would write the series that way. I don't care by the time this ends. Like, the last, like, 30 minutes of fighting, I'm just completely numb to it. The Dracula in here, I'm trying to... He looks like a theater student. (laughs) Like, they should have... Like you had said, like, I'm trying to picture, like, what Dracula should have been. And I'm seeing, like, ripped dude, weird tattoos, some cool piercings... And, like, really greasy, long hair. I just don't see what Triple H is doing in the movie that couldn't have been done by Dracula. Like, those two characters side by side, these big, muscly, kind of, like, self-serious macho guys that Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds makes fun of in his Deadpool kind of way. About Um, his wiener. Yeah. Right? Like, make a bunch of sex jokes about how he's a small dick or whatever. I don't see what you would lose if you combine those two characters. Mm -hmm. And Triple H was just more... I mean, I, I'm a big pro wrestling... Wait, was that really Triple H? Yeah, that's him. Oh my God, I thought you were just saying that. The whole time? <laughs> no, yeah. that's, that's definitely I'm like, him. wow, you keep referencing Triple H. <laughs> no, I thought, he was, uh, I thought he was funny in the movie. I, I thought he did know, a good okay. job. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that was him. Oh, he should have been a vampire. And his real life Dracula. wife, uh, Stephanie McMahon, like, uh-huh. is kind of like a little Parker Posey person, like... The way Parker Posey like talks shit and has a kind of a gothy late nineties look. Yeah. That is his wife. Oh, amazing. So I I don't know. I just thought he was like kind of born for wow. this like Dracula role. Oh, this was his shot. Yeah. Those assholes. <laughs> um, and I think he makes a bigger impression than the Dracula yeah, character they got. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm like, oh God, this dude. <laughs> like every time he's on the screen, I'm like, oh, go away. So yeah, more Pomeranians, less Dracula, less mm-hmm. Deadpool. Uh, this might have been something. Yeah. I, I'm almost there. I didn't like hate it. Yeah. I just, it was a little disappointing. Right. Like I feel like I'm shitting all over it and it wasn't the worst thing. Like I would watch it again for sure. I'm probably going to watch it again. Um, <laughs> Do you want my copy? Cause I've done DVD. I've never watched it. I have it again. on DVD too. Okay. <laughs> I already have one. I don't need to. But no, I, it was, it was good, but I wouldn't, it's definitely not the best. I'm not even sure I would rewatch the first one. I know that's kind of blasphemy really? to say. No, no. 
I know we're like, all entitled to our opinion, Brandon. <laughs> you said like the uh, first one used to play on TV all the time. Yeah, I could see scrolling past it on TV like, oh, I'll watch ten minutes of Blade. But the only one in this trilogy I feel like I could watch repeatedly was the Guillermo del Toro one. Personally, I like the first one the best. I think because I'm with this kind of stuff, I like style over plot. Uh huh. Even though the second one is beautiful, um, I just think the excitement of seeing Blade for the first time and having it start off is really cool. But the second one's very, very close to I being on par. I, I don't know that there's a better scene than the very first scene in the series. That bloodbath rave with Tracy Lords. Vampire, yeah, vampire blood rave. That's such an amazing opening to this franchise. It's kind of hard to live up to that. Yeah. God, and the, the fight scenes that occur in that are so fucking badass. Overall, though, I feel like I should have seen these sooner. It seems like something I should have caught up with. I, I really did enjoy watching the first two a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. And the third one, just the Ryan Reynolds of it all is what tested my patience more than anything else. Has he been in anything that I like? He played an asshole in Adventureland, and I kind of bought that. I didn't watch he that. He plays like an obnoxious dick, and it kind of works for you know his style. Um, I think it's when he's supposed to be like a lovable dick that I struggle uh, with. I hate that people love with. him so much. <laughs> There's a movie that's just him in a box with a camera. Like, he gets buried alive. I think it's just him in a cell phone. Does I, he die in the end? I don't know. Cause don't tell me. I'm asking, but I really don't want to know because I want to see it. I think Ryan Reynolds is, like, the last person in the world I want to be, like, locked in a box with for two hours. <laughs> it just sounds so exhausting. God, like, dead people didn't shut up. Yeah, probably not. Even his Twitter's like that. Like, I think his personality in real life is like Deadpool. Yeah. Honestly, I'm becoming a bigger fan of his wife recently. She's fabulous. What's wrong with her for... I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's a good father and a good life partner. I think the last two things I saw her in were The Shallows and A Simple Favor, which Mm -hmm. is in the theaters right now. And I liked both of those a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, And her Twitter is really funny. So, I don't know. If he makes her happy, then uh, he's doing some kind of service to the world. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. I love her outfits. She wears like a lot of like crazy-ass suits. Have you seen A Simple Favor yet? No, I haven't, but... It's... I would be shocked if you did not love every minute of that movie. Ah! It's so good. Cool. And she wears amazing suits the whole time. Oh, dun, 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 dun. Anyway, if we could replace Ryan Reynolds with Blake Lively in every movie, that'd be, that'd be great. Oh, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> that's, my, that's my stance. Amen. <laughs> Our little prayer. A little Swamp Flicks prayer. <laughs> well, we've got one more horror superhero episode coming up uh, before the month is over before Halloween do you have any final thoughts on Blade on the way out I I, I like vampires like out of mythical stuff like I'm not a big I mean I don't hate it hate it but I don't like werewolves that much I don't like zombies that much vampires have always been my jam I love the lore and everything like that so to mix like vampire lore in with like weird 90s action and like music (laughs) is just it's really cool yeah I like it a lot yeah and I kind of wish I had caught it when it was fresh (laughs) yeah Uh, I know you could see how like I mean I was young when I saw this and it's like when you're little and you watch it you're like holy shit like it blows your fucking mind and then the older you get and you see other crap and you're like eh but it still holds (laughs) still holds true and that first scene is just worth watching bloodbath with Tracy Lords yep that's what I want before I die I mean why isn't that a movie Bloodbath with Tracy Lords. <laughs> it probably is one of her <laughs> earlier films. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see y'all in a couple weeks. Right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.